you know, I spent like almost $100,000 on a degree. Then the last class I take I was something that I was like, oh, I'm like way more interested in this. It was a little disheartening for sure. Hello, and welcome to How to Fail Successfully, the podcast that teaches the steps to success through the stories of failures. I'm so happy that you can join me as I interview some of my favorite people and encourage them to share their story with you. I'm Matthew Carrier, and this is How to Fail Successfully. Welcome to another episode of How to Fail Successfully. My name is Matthew Carrier, and I'm so thankful you're joining me for another week. On today's episode, I have the owner of Ready Light Media, which is a media production team based in Nashville, Tennessee. When Jeff was in school, he studied audio production, and once he finished school, he realized that that was no longer his passion. So he pivoted and he changed directions. That's going to be the overall lesson of today's episode is understanding that it's okay to pivot. It's okay to change directions. Uh, No matter how much money you've invested into your career, if you're not passionate about it and it's not bringing you excitement, it is okay to change directions. So let's listen to Jeff's story. Hopefully it encourages you. This is Jeff Carpenter. Welcome, Jeff. Thank you. Jeff and I are, are good friends. This is Jeff Carpenter. He is a photographer, uh, videographer? Videographer, yeah. Videographer, okay. <laughs> and he has uh, reluctantly volunteered to come into the studio today and record with me. So After thanks. weeks and months of just you hounding me. Yes, to... nonstop. <laughs> emails after emails. But you know what? The squeaky wheel gets the oil. Yeah. That makes, so, thanks for joining. That checks out. <laughs> Why don't you fill us in with what you're working on now? Um, so I own a company called Ready Light Media. Um, we are a photo, video, all the you know visual stuff company. But I personally do mostly portrait and headshot photography. Let's kind of go back to the beginning. Just sort of let us know how you got to the point where you are today. I mean, were you always interested in photography? I was not, no. Um, I actually have a formal education in audio production, which I remember none of. There's lots of buttons in this room and I don't know what any of them do. So that says anything, but I have a, so I have a degree in audio production and then I had to take a mandatory, excuse me, uh, mandatory photography class in order to graduate. Okay. And I really liked it, but it was not, I was kind of also justifying the money I spent at college. And then randomly my parents bought me a camera. It just kind of snowballed into. What do you mean you were that. trying to justify the, the money spent? So I went to the Art Institute, which was not like I liked it, but it was it was such a new. I was the first person to graduate in this campus uh, in Nashville. And I think with that, it was just the jo- job placement numbers didn't actually like they were kind of fudged, you know, for admissions yeah. sake. Um, which whatever, I don't want to get into that. That's not really my point, but you know, I spent like almost a hundred thousand dollars on a degree and I'm like, then the last class I take, I was something that I was like, Oh, I'm like way more interested in this. So by my saying, justifying my degree or the money I spent is more like, okay, I'm going to go and try and find some jobs in audio. All right. How did that go? 
So good. <laughs> um, we'll get to definition of failure. In a yeah, second. yeah. A little, a little further on, but yeah, yeah okay. Uh, no, I mean it did not go well. Yeah, why is that? Like I said, I don't want to blame the fact that no one who I was applying for jobs for like had ever heard of my school. Like that <laughs> might have something to do with it, but I don't. I don't want to take that. I think partially it was that I. I think subconsciously I didn't put as much effort into it as I could have, but just because like there was kind of this thing in the back of my mind of like, you know, I might like this other thing more than this or something, you know, yeah. it's, it's kind of a, it's kind of a weird way to explain it. But, and I also, I wanted to do sound for film. I didn't, I didn't want to do just be a second engineer my whole life. Um, you know, and just kind of do errand work. What did which, you want to do for film? Um, I wanted to do like post-production stuff. Okay. So I had an internship here in town for like a post-production house. And, and what, I, what does that mean? Post-production? Um, just mixing, you know, Adding sound effects, not like fully stuff, but adding sound effects. And fully, Films. fully means uh, like someone's walking down a hallway. You're yeah. getting like the heels right. clicking you're on like, the wood. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So, so not doing not that. that. I mean, yeah, it would be cool, but like I feel like there's like two people in the world that do that. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, and do it very well. Yeah, and yeah. do it very well. So I was like, I'm not gonna even attempt that, but just something. You know, I just I liked kind of the creativity. I think we had a class where we had. Uh, coca-cola commercial like the ones that they used to do at the beginning of the theaters yeah and it they were just like here's this there's no audio to it like add everything you know and that that to me was way more interesting and more creative than you know just being like oh like turn that channel three up mm -hmm. you know like that mm -hmm. there's no art you know like there's no creativity be careful by saying there's no art to that because there is an art there is an to art that. yes <laughs> but for you it didn't feel very creative. It didn't, you yeah. know. And that's the thing is there's a difference between being a producer and being an engineer. You Correct. know, it's like the producer kind of makes the creative decisions. Correct. So that, I wasn't super interested in that aspect of it, but the getting a blank video and and completely fabricating all of the audio from start to finish and kind of building it from scratch, that appealed to me Yeah. a lot more than, you know, the music side of stuff. I did an internship and we did a lot of very much so what I was interested in. Um, like they did like the Cracker Barrel commercials, like, you know, basically same thing I was doing. Just here's kind of the stage audio or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, you're adding a lot of sound effects and you're cleaning up a lot of crappy <laughs> recorded audio, yeah. which is not that fun. But it's still like, you know, it, it's it's a way to... You're still though working on another element. Mm -hmm. It's it's yeah. you're doing you're watching film right. while you're doing sound. Right. So that's kind of adds another visual creative element it to it. Did the, to which that. I think might have transpired into like kind of falling in love with more of the visual side yeah. of things than the audio side. You know. And so this was an internship. Did they offer you a job when you got done? They didn't. They did not. There okay. was the promise of a job upon graduating. We all know how that ended yes. up <laughs> so no i mean it was and that's i think too i put all my eggs in that basket yeah. you know i did an internship it was supposed to be a like a one semester thing i did it for three okay you know so i i did it for that was all of your experience was, yeah, yeah all of my experience was with that company and then they're like well we just like and when i first started you know there was you know we, i love your work i'd you know we'd love to bring you on board after you graduate 
And then graduation comes, you're like, yeah, we just like, we're not getting enough work. We can't hire you. <laughs> so I was like, you know, that's my fault for kind of believing it, I guess. But at the same time, it's, you know, I, it was a little disheartening yeah. for sure. And at that moment though, what was sort of your response to that? I mean, I'm sure like hindsight, you can say, oh, yeah, I could have been more, uh, qual- I could have put myself out there to different companies first, but yeah. in the moment. I mean, I think in the moment, I don't even know if I was really angry about it. I was, I was just like, well, like, I don't know. I think disbelief is a way to yeah. put it. But at the same time, I was like, well, I'm kind of on my own now. I got to yeah. go get a job somewhere. So I'm like, I guess I'll go be a server. Is that what you did? I did. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so I worked and served tacos. Nice. Yeah. Do you do you think that, so what did you learn while serving? I, I think this is like an interesting question I like to ask people that have, have had to work in the service industry. Because it's like, I feel like you... I feel like if you don't go to the military, you should get into the service industry at least two years of your life. Right. There's, I don't know. I mean, I think you learn life lessons mm-hmm. and then you become a little jaded also <laughs> throughout the process. But um, Do, I don't would know. You, I mean, would you say jaded or more maybe possibly aware? Like you're you're not so self-involved that you're sort I of- think it evolved into aware. Yeah. But I think at first when I was working there and that was my sole income, I'm like- uh-huh. No, they didn't tip me. And it's like you become almost bitter. bitter, but you become like, I feel like I was entitled to it. Even mm-hmm. though I'm still, it's like, okay, like, sure, I probably gave them exceptional service. <laughs> I'm, I'm, you know, but, um, and then they, if they didn't tip me, like, I get like, I would get like angry mm-hmm. when I shouldn't have gotten angry, you know? So I think like in the moment I was kind of jaded. I was like, oh yeah. man, like I hate this industry. It's so stupid, blah, blah, blah. But then after looking back on it, I was like, okay, now like I understand what people are going through yeah. with that. And it's, and it's like, I don't know. I mean, like, I think as like an artist, it's almost a rite of passage, like yeah, to do something like that, absolutely. because you know, you, you can't just be like, oh, I graduate college. I'm going to be a successful, whatever uh-huh. you have to kind of work your way into it. And I think a little humility is always, always beneficial right, uh, to your future. <laughs> yeah, no, Absolutely. So how did you transition into photography? I think I was getting to that and then you interrupted me earlier. Oh, I'm sorry. But <laughs> um, so my parents bought me a camera like un, like for Christmas back when they still bought me Christmas presents. No, I'm just kidding. My mom doesn't won't listen to this. Hi, so it doesn't matter. What? Hi, mom. <laughs> she I'm just kidding. No, they, they do. I'm just kidding. But, you know, like when you're younger, you get like mm-hmm. big Stuff. Yeah. Now I'm an adult. Well, I you're also a lot smaller. Right. Well, but I was <laughs> I was graduated from college. <laughs> actually, no, at that point I wasn't. So they actually got me the camera, mm-hmm. I think in between. I don't remember exactly when it was, but um, it was one of those things where, like, prior to that, I was like, oh, like, get me musical instruments, get me, you know, rack gear for audio stuff, get me whatever. And this, I was just like, I kind of lost interest in the audio thing and I was just like I don't they're like what do you want what do you want I was like I don't I don't know like surprise me yeah <laughs> and they did they bought me a camera at what point in time being a server did you start working on photography um did you or was there like a shift when it became sort of something you did casually to something you actually wanted to make a business I think the moving it to a business 
came out of hatred for serving. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Almost. Yeah. But I was like, I got to do something. Like, I did it. I was like, oh, cool. Like, snap, snap, snap. Let me take a picture. And like, and they were all terrible. You know, I mean, all the pictures I took were bad. It's just how it was. And I think after a while, I was just like, you know, like, I can do something to where I don't have to come and work double shifts five days a week mm-hmm. in order to pay rent and pay my bills and stuff like that. You know, because serving, it's, it's, it's a... It can be kind of a sticky, like a slippery slope, if you will, where it's like, Absolutely. oh, I get money Instant. every day. Yeah. Which then you go and everyone you work with goes to a bar and spends it all. Yeah. But, you know, it's like you the get therapy the session. instantaneous. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Group therapy, right? <laughs> but it's the instantaneous, like, oh, I get money right now. Yeah. That I can do whatever I want with. And, you know, it's like, for a server, sure, like, I mean, who literally serve tacos, I I mean, I don't know. I mean, I don't even remember, like, what I was making on a yearly thing. But it did not justify the amount of time I was putting in. You know, I was working of course. 12-hour days. Yeah. Like I said, like, five days a week sometimes. I just didn't want to be a career server. Yeah. I mean, granted, like, working at n- nice restaurants, you can do well. But, like, that one, you know, it was like a go here for lunch, you know, kind of thing. Your photography career started out of, out of a hatred for being a server. Okay, hatred, maybe not, but <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, I mean, really out of a, like, I can't see a future in this yeah. to where I can, you know, sustain myself or yeah. potential family or something like that. So I was like, I've got this side thing I'm doing with pictures. How can I monetize that? So the natural progression in my mind was like create a business well create a business but it was also work with people mm-hmm. you know i mean i like taking pictures of landscapes but it's a lot harder to make money with that because yeah, landscapes that mountain you. there is not gonna no. pay me for that mm-hmm. picture no you know that river is not gonna pay me so i was like people pay me so i was like why don't i just go straight to the source so i started doing event photography and I, I mean, I charged next to nothing, but mm-hmm. like my first gig ever was something I found on Craigslist. You know, it was the St. Patrick's Day photo booth. Okay. Yeah. So I had no idea what that meant or whatever. Well, actually, I, I responded to an ad for an event photographer. I was like, I've got a little flash. I've got a camera. I can just walk there. I think it was like 50 bucks and free drinks. I was like, sure, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so I emailed the guy and he, uh, responds and he's like, well, we don't have any, all the event spots are filled up, but can you do a photo booth? And I'm just sitting here talking. I was like, it's like, yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> Whatever. Whatever that means. Yeah, yeah. Like I'll do that. And while we were talking, it was probably like a you know, 15, 20 minute conversation, just like about what he wanted. And I was like, yeah, cool, cool. So then I get off the phone with him and I get on my laptop and I'm like, what is a photo booth? <laughs> You know, so I, I was, which just, is such a great, sorry, that's such a great lesson. I think that you learn as an artist. And I just had a conversation with another friend of mine is that you just say yes. And then you figure it out. Right. You know, I mean, I think there can't do that as a doctor. No, yeah, no. And that's horror. the thing is with, with anything artistic or, yeah. you know, something that's not lives depending <laughs> on you, you, you have the ability to be a little fudge your credentials, if you will. 
you have the ability to learn a mm. little bit quicker if you already have the fundamental skill set. Yeah. Yeah. I think to, I mean, fake it till you make it is mm -hmm. a kind of thing I almost structured my business around. Yeah. Not to be like, oh yeah, like just lie. But at the same time, there's a reason that the cliche mm -hmm. is because it, it, there is some truth to it. I mean, I, in that what what I just said was a perfect example of I didn't really know what I was doing, but I, I, that was an opportunity, and that guy still hires me eight years later wow. or so. Yeah, and he works for another company that he hires me for too. Okay. So it's really it was just and and we've since had the conversation of I had no idea what I was doing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was like with him. he yeah. was like he was like I know he was like but you did a good job. Yeah. <laughs> so it I mean it's it was kind of a funny thing i think part of that was i don't know i mean i don't even know if it was confidence it was just it was really it was just necessity i was like i need my break if you will mm -hmm. i need something to happen to kind of get this ball rolling what's your viewpoint on people working for free like doing a free project to get experience i think there's a because it's okay, let me just let me just give some backstory <laughs> that's a, that's to it. It's a loaded question. It is a loaded question, and let me give like people listening. This is the backstory to that is because there's a lot. There's oftentimes a lot of disagreements within the within the art industry. Yeah, you have people that are working for free or low. You know, like you said, fifty dollars or whatever for a photo booth, whereas you've got the professionals that are charging two fifty or three hundred, yeah. and they're getting undercut by these inexperienced artists. Same thing happens in the music industry. But there's two sides to that. One mm -hmm. side of it is you have to get experience. So you can't charge $300 per session if you've never done it before or you have you don't have the skill set developed yet. Right. And there's kind of two sides to this too. And it's there's almost two questions mm -hmm. in this thing. Is, is Do I feel that people should work for free for experience? In the beginning, sure, maybe. Um as long as you kind of put a cutoff to it, mm -hmm. you never want to be, you know, you work for free, work for free, and then you always be the one that works for free because then you become the guy that works for free. Yeah. And that just for your own sake is a very bad position to be in. Mm -hmm. um, so I think always, even if you're doing, you know, Work with friends, work with family, work with people that understand that you're trying to build something yeah. and not not people that are trying to take advantage of you and get free stuff. Mm -hmm. At, on the other flip side of the coin is good clients are willing to pay good money for good work. Yeah. So if you charge too little, a very worthy good client is just going to not even look and be like, well, they either aren't good or they don't value their own work. Mm -hmm. And then they're just like, all right, like here's the threshold of like where we even start looking on yeah. a money level. Um, and I've kind of learned that where I've, I've set different prices for virtually the same thing based on who's asking. You know, if I know it's an individual person, they're not going to have a huge budget. And I get that. But at the same time, I'm like, you know what? I don't mind doing it if I have the creative control mm -hmm. or not control, but at least a little bit of creative freedom to allow myself to, you know, get something that I could potentially use for my portfolio as well with a bigger corporate client or something like that where they 
they have what they want. They have the, they yeah. have their they're like I've I've done jobs where they give me a lighting diagram and they're like this is exactly what you need to do. And I was like, why? Like, you already know, like you could do that like yourself. I mean, <laughs> just buy a camera. Yeah, you already so, know. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, and that's kind of the other <laughs> complete other side of that, particularly yeah. they pay pretty well. So I think, I think with doing work for free or for cheap, it, just don't get caught in a cycle, you know, in, in somewhere it. where you're just doing free work mm-hmm. and people are taking advantage. I think that's kind of the, yeah, the what I keep coming back to is is and you you can you can also get into the situation where you don't know how to ask for more money if you're constantly working for free right like if the same people keep hiring you for free yeah you're gaining experience but then the moment right. you say I need a hundred bucks or yeah. hundred fifty they're gonna be like but at the same uh, time yeah you can't be like oh I did this for free a bunch of times yeah. and now I charge a thousand dollars for the yeah. exact same thing like nope. it just doesn't work yeah. that way if you you know completely seek out a different you know pool of mm-hmm. potential clients then sure like you have the experience and you i mean what do they know at that yeah. point but i think it's a very easy you know it's like quicksand it's very easy to kind of get stuck in that where you're the <laughs> digging yourself out of it and charging more takes a lot longer you know i don't know i mean i i just think like going into that if you're trying to gain experience let people know like this is a one-time thing and it's a i'm just doing it to gain experience next time it'll be x amount much or whatever at what stage did you feel like you had a company that could sustain itself i to answer your question about that i think i went in with that mentality from the very beginning i that's why i structured my business as more of an entity than a Jeff Carpenter photography. Okay. You know what I mean? I think that by doing that, it left me a lot of headroom and room to grow, Mm -hmm. even if I didn't know what that looked looked like. And it, and it left the opening of if it, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Mm -hmm. I mean, it just kind of, it, you know, from the very get go, I, you know, ready light media sounds bigger, I guess, than whatever your name is. Yeah. Photo. And then I always responded to emails with we instead mm-hmm. of I. Interesting. Just. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, that was just kind of, I don't even know why I started doing that. But I was like, if I'm trying to get a bigger client, they need to believe that you have that a team. That I have a team. Yeah. Even if it's me doing 99% of the stuff. <laughs> and for a while there, I, was, I mean, I was doing 100% of the stuff mm-hmm. because I'm kind of in a control freak. And I, you know, I had this logic of. If I wanted it done right, I'd do it myself. Granted, if it's a creative portrait type thing, I'm going to do it because I do have a very specific style. I don't want to say unique. You know, I have the way I do things where Mm -hmm. I can't, if I teach someone exactly how to do that, then what's what's stopping them to go taking all my clients? So I do hold a little bit of that. But with event stuff, you know, event photography, video, anything like that, it's just like the client, all they want is capturing the environment and the you know the evening or whatever it is that's all they want so at that point you know i'll pull from a you know five or six people that i've worked with a few times or i've brought them on with me Mm -hmm. to and i'll be like this is kind of what i look for so then down the road i can just i can have them represent my brand 
without me even being there. Are you worried about losing your clients to other photographers? It's happened. Uh, I mean, it's happened with people that I've had work under me, which is why I have a non or a non-compete now. <laughs> gotcha. Just you know, it's it's not saying that they can't work. It's just you can't work with that specific client yeah for like a year or whatever you've never given me one of those i haven't because i trust you oh that's sweet oh don't right. screw me over <laughs> <laughs> on this podcast obviously we talk a lot about success and failure if you could give me your definition of failure i think failure i mean it, it can take lots of forms but for me i would say it's when there's expectations that are set or like a bar that's set and then you don't meet your expectations or I don't know you you inevitably with that if you don't meet the goal or meet your expectations you're, you're inevitably going to let someone down whether it's your coworker, or client you know literally anybody but I think for me it's just like I think a failure is more of a personal goal or something that I don't I mean, there, there's been plenty of times where I've, you know, had a, an expectation. Like, let's mm-hmm. say for a, you know, photo shoot or something mm-hmm. like that. I have this, like, grandiose idea in my head. And I'm, like, pitching it to people. I'm like, this is going to be great. And then I get it and it just, like, doesn't. It just, like, live my, it, it. yeah, it just doesn't live up to the standards that I personally set for, you know, such and such photo shoot. It's a little disheartening. Granted, you can kind of dig yourself out of that and and make make it work. But I think for me, you know, like that's more failure on a personal level. Like my client probably thinks like, oh, this is great. Like whatever. Yeah. It, it looks fine. But for me, I'm I'm thinking this could have been so much more or so much better. You know, I've 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 been fortunate enough to like not have too many of those situations. That's not being said that I haven't had my, you know, fair share of bumps in the road. Yeah. But yeah, I think like failure to me is just, is more just letting someone down that I promised something mm. to. Okay. How do, how do you, how do you sort of bounce back from that? If you feel like you've let somebody else down because of a lack of something you did. I mean, is it a mental thing? I, is it a. Yeah. And I, I think too, that's kind of where maintaining a air of confidence helps because there's a lot of times where I might do something where I'm like this is not as awesome as I think it could be but if they're happy Mm -hmm. I mean I'm not going to point out be like oh well this could be better and that could be better yeah because that does nothing for me but I, I think for that as long as they're not blatantly like this looks terrible which thankfully it's never happened. Actually, it kind of has. <laughs> what what would you do if somebody said that? <laughs> well, like it, like I said, actually, I remember it, it did happen once. Yeah. Well, this is more of a miscommunication of you know something, but it's why I also don't shoot very many weddings. <laughs> but um, first wedding I ever did, I think I it was like I was shooting all day. I think I charged them like three hundred bucks, which like for that. weddings. At least add a zero to that. Yeah. <laughs> At least. Yeah. So you uh, charge 300 bucks. Yeah. Okay. And I gave them 
like the for some reason I've made the really stupid decision to edit everything and then put it in a gallery mm. to for then they could buy the photos. But this is also before I really knew how to take photos and yeah. straight out of camera it didn't look that great. Mm-hmm. So I edited everything, smacked a big old watermark on there. But then there was a miscommunication of I think that they thought that the watermark was like embedded in the image and it was just weird shadows. So I, I like took it really personally and I was like really distraught <laughs> for like two weeks. And then I finally like built up the courage, like email them back. <laughs> what did they say to you? There, it was just like, I mean, basically the, we're just really not happy with how these look, blah, 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 you know. Like we we paid good money. I was like, no, he didn't. <laughs> but aside from the point, I took the watermark off, and they're like, these look great. <laughs> I was like, damn it. <laughs> yeah. So it was just it was kind of a miscommunication. But in the moment, moment I yeah. was like, they hate it. Yeah. Like, and this is like one of the first jobs I'd ever had. Yeah. And I was just like, this is not starting off well. Yeah. Did you at any moment think? Maybe I shouldn't be doing this. Yeah. I mean, I did for a brief moment. Yeah. But I I also, I still liked it. Yeah. And I, from when I, because I sent them the photos and then they didn't respond with that for like six months. Oh, wow. So it wasn't like an instantaneous thing. So I had a lot of other stuff under my yeah. belt that went well. Okay. But it was still just like. You know, it sucks. Like, you, you don't want anybody to be not happy with it. You know, so I'm, I'm trying to, like, remedy it while also being like, well, they just don't know what they're talking about <laughs> or or something. You know, I'm trying to justify it while also fix it. And it was a whole, you know, brain scramble of, yeah. of that. But I think what it did, it was, I was like, okay, well, like, that's one lesson learned. And I need to, rather than just getting angry at someone for, disagreeing with me or not even even if it was literally they didn't like the photos i mean it's different of opinion yeah um i think i kind of learned from it and that that kind of helped me understand like the customer experience that it's not just a they have an input too it's not all like i have this great idea for a photo like if they're paying me even if it's only three hundred dollars they have an opinion because mm-hmm. it is their, like what they want. Yeah. And that, and that goes into all sorts of things with, with, I mean, in my everyday, like you doing a corporate thing. Like I do a lot of corporate headshots. They're not glamorous. <laughs> it's, and they have, like I said before, they have a very specific, we want this look, blah, blah, blah. And I don't have a lot of creativity, mm-hmm. but I can take that and I'm just like that at that point for me is just like, okay, I'm going to do what they want. I'm not going to try and oh, you spice should, it up. Yeah, or, yeah. Like, cause there's no point. Yeah. Um, you know, with that, it's just kind of, you know, fly under the radar, be safe. Yeah. And then they love it and it, but it's nothing spectacular. It's just, here's like a gray background with the two lights and you know, it's, it, it's what they and want. That's what they're paying that's you for. They want. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. that's, that's where it becomes a, okay, there's a, business side yeah. and a creative side and if you can get a get that to 
crossover. That's amazing. Yeah. But I mean, I'm still working on that now. I mean, I'm still trying to get to be creative and make it pay. It's yeah. just reality. It's in it. It's the same thing with any sort of artistic business. I think it's, if you have a client that's paying you, you have to understand that they're going to have expectations and they're not just going to be like, yeah, have at it. I'll yeah. pay you whatever for whatever you decide is right. Yeah. 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 It's just, that's just a, that's a it's not going to happen. Unrealistic yeah. expectation. So I think, you know, finding a way to mesh the two and as you grow and as you kind of have, like for me, I have a style, if mm -hmm. you will, I, yeah. I, I'm starting to get there and it's evolving, but I think it's, people are starting to understand like, oh, like I want to hire him for his, his style, style yeah. rather than I want to hire him because he knows how to push a button on a camera. Yeah. You know, cause that, at that point, like you can hire anybody. Which but, that's what most people think when they hire you is that you're just pushing a button. Right. Yeah. That's, that's the thing that happens in corporate a lot. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like, I will never not do corporate headshots because it pays so well. <laughs> All right. So you have gained a pretty large following on Instagram. Obviously, that's a hard thing to do with so many photographers, you know, trying to get gain sort of attraction on, on Instagram. How were you able to sort of do that? How were you able to sort of stand out from everybody else? And there's a follow-up question to that because I know this because you are my friend that having a lot of followers on Instagram has done you well in uh, sponsorships, finding companies that are asking you to, you know, promote sort of their products. Yes. Can we talk about that or no? <laughs> yeah, I think so. With Instagram, I, I, I saw it as a platform, almost as a, it, it's, it's my portfolio in yeah. a way. Um, and I think about two or three years ago, I started, taking a little more seriously where I was like, okay, I'm not going to post personal stuff. And then thankfully they came out the stories, which I can now post pictures of my dogs and no one can say anything about it because it disappears after 24 <laughs> hours. Uh, <laughs> so I think I kind of started using it. I was like, I can use this as a tool for business and not necessarily directly for, I'm going to post something and then I'm going to get all of these inquiries about, I want to hire you like, cause you're amazing. And, I just, and that's just not realistic, but I kind of did it as a, okay, here's a photo, here's a behind-the-scenes photo. And I started doing that, not every post, but like every, every once in a while. And that kind of started, I kind of started seeing a, oh, these like behind-the-scenes photos have a lot more engagement and a lot more, you know, gain a lot more traction. And it gets people asking me questions and stuff like that. And I was like, well, this is kind of interesting. I had the thought of I should stop doing this so people don't steal my ideas. But then I realized, I was like, I can kind of run with this and make it my own thing. So I started doing a little bit more and a little bit more and a little more. And to the point where now I'm doing every post is a background is a, like the final behind image, the scenes. then a behind the scenes with a lighting diagram and the final image again. Yeah. Um, and I think having the consistency of people know what to expect every single time I post helped me gain and keep followers. Because uh, I was losing followers left yeah, and right for a while. Yeah. It was just like, because they didn't have, there was no consistent, no expectation. So now that I've been doing that, also, you know, you get reposted by these behind the scenes accounts or something like that. And and that that's just kind of where it's turned into now. So I, you know, every time I go shoot, I have to remember to take behind the scenes photos, which is a whole 
another thing because <laughs> I forget all the time. But um, in doing that, I've kind of gained a little bit of recognition, if you will, from brands that see that, you know, I mean, because in a way I'm, I'm an influencer. I'm doing air quotes. You, yes, you can't see yeah. that. <laughs> Uh, so I'm, I'm an influence in a way, like there's these fashion bloggers, there's these, all these people that, you know, I got this jacket. It looks awesome. You should buy it kind of thing. Um, but I do that for camera stuff. And it wasn't like I did it initially because I was getting paid for it. Cause I still don't. Yeah. But, but I was, you're, you're getting an opportunity to try out new I'm products. I'm getting an opportunity to try stuff yeah. on like a trial basis or yeah. like, even for reviews or something like that. But I uh, I started tagging initially before anybody even gave me something. If I was using an Icon camera or, you know, Paul Seabuff lights or whatever, I would tag everything that I could because all that does is that gets them recognition. And the, for the very first instance of that is I was using a Panasonic G7, which is not considered a photo camera yeah and uh i would just tag the lumix hashtag lumix g7 like whatever lumix usa blah blah blah, all these things and then i get an email one time they're like hey we're coming out with this new camera we'd like you to try it out before it release you can just keep it i was like oh that's cool okay (laughs) so it you know had some stipulations it was just I had to post once a week with these specific hashtags in this specific order. Wow. Um, but they sent me this brand new camera before it even got released, like with zero strings attached. Wow. I mean, well, there was like a yes, little bit, but that was yeah, 12 yeah. posts. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, it was in my best interest to do a lot more than that. Yeah. Um, you know, just so I can kind of stay on their radar. And then, you know, I did a couple of YouTube like review videos mm-hmm. with that, you know, honest reviews. See, that's the thing is, you can't do like, oh, this is the best thing ever. If it, if it's not, yeah, because then no one's gonna believe yeah, you. Yeah, you're gonna. You lose, have to have a little of, bit yeah. of, you know. I mean, this is kind of, you know, this story a little bit. It's so like I got these lights from this company. They want me to do this video that was a, how do you compare these constant LED lights to flash? And I even borrowed one of yours, so I would be like, well, maybe I can do it to speed lights or something like that, but. I finally, I emailed him back and I was like, I just can't, I can't do this because I don't believe that it's a realistic comparison. Mm-hmm. And she was like, she was like, I told to get it. That's fine. But what if you just did a video about like beauty lighting or something like that? I was like, that I can do. Yeah. Cause that's not a, I'm also am like sponsored, if you will, by a flash company. So it would be kind of conflict of interest for me to be like, oh, this is better than flash. Mm-hmm. I mean, when it's not because a there's a problem and it's a lie <laughs> and two it's it's it, it would be it would not do me any favors with the current with that. company yeah, exactly yeah. so which is who paul c buff oh okay yeah so they're local to nashville which okay. works out um you know it's just i've developed a very good relationship with them and um yeah, it's just one. Of, I've shot with them for a while, and again, that was one of the ones where I would just tag their stuff. But eventually, I just walked into the office and was like, "Hey guys!" Like, and I with that, I did a. My pitch was, "You guys are kind of rebranding new website and this, but I'll do your 
kind of teach on your YouTube channel, you know, just basic how to take a headshot or something, just basic stuff. But then you direct link back to your gear. And so they're like, yeah, we'll give it on like a trial basis. And that, you know, for that, I was blossomed into something. Yeah, exactly. And like, they don't pay me, but it's just, I I get, you have a good relationship. I have a great relationship with them. And I'm like, they're a reputable enough brand to where, other brands i can use that to like piggyback off of that to say a bigger lens company or something yeah. like yeah i've done their stuff with them and they know who they are and then it kind of just like it's a stepping stone but it's also i use it because i've used it forever and it's good yeah it's, it's good quality, quality here yeah. yeah and their customer service is great isn't it i can attest to that yes <laughs> <laughs> what is your definition of success I think success can come in a lot of shapes and forms. Like I think when we think of on the grand scheme of things, we think like, Oh, like Bill Gates or Jeff Bezos, yeah. like all these big CEOs of these multi-billion dollar companies, like successful. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I think there's different tiers of success. And also for me personally, I think like there was a level of success that I hit when I quit my serving job and became a full-time photographer yeah like there absolutely. was there was a level i was at, at that point i was successful yeah enough to you know not have to serve yeah i, I think it's as long as there's another tier you know i i think there's like okay here's my you know like when you're in school like what do you want to do in 10 years i never had that idea like when i was younger i didn't know what i wanted to do like I just, it was just like, well, I don't, I don't know. I guess I'll like go to college and see what happens. Like that was my answer. Right. And, but now I think as a business owner, I have a much clearer vision of, you know, what I want to do. And I think success for me then was, okay, I'm full time. Yeah. That's success. Yeah. And then my next tier is like, okay, I, if I want to teach at some, like my five year plan is to teach a workshop at golf plus expo in dubai okay so that's kind of a you know that's a top tier on the educational circuit okay so i think like that will be another form of success for me and i think i don't like to think of oh success is when people know who you are like you're recognized sure like that that there's truth to that but at the same time i don't i think success you have to have personal goals and that's like that's where success for me is like taking care of my family taking care of being able to sustain myself by doing something i love like that's successful to me um sure like there's always something else like i don't want to settle either but i think just having goals and then meeting those goals is is success in and of itself do you think you're successful I think, uh, I think so. I mean, I think I'm successful, but I'm not like done. I'm not, yeah. I, I've done well for myself. I've, I've, I've hit every goal I've set. Yeah. So by your so definition, I think by my definition, mm-hmm. I'm successful, but not in a worldview of success. I don't think. Does that matter? I don't think so. No. I don't think so. I mean, so. In a, in a, in a, no, I mean, in a no. mental form, like in, in your own mental state, is it important for you to be successful in your own mind 
in, by your own definition, or is it important for you to be successful by the worldly standards well, of success? Well, if your definition of being successful in the world in the worldview is your definition of success, then well, that's my question. Also, oh, that's my question be, to you. No, I think that you. I don't need like I think there's that can be misconstrued with fame, mm-hmm. also. Yeah, which I care nothing about. I, th- I mean, if that's your goal, though, if your goal is to be famous and and be successful on the world scale, then that's also kind of your personal thing too, right? Yeah, like, and I'm not talking about somebody else's. I'm talking about you uh, personally. For me, for me yeah. personally, I don't. I mean, it's a one step at a time. Mm-hmm. I, I, as long as I'm continue to grow as a photographer, as an individual, as a business owner, then that's success. I, I don't, I don't need, I don't know what that entails. You know, like I said, I, I have my five year plan. I'm gonna kind of work towards that, and then we'll see what the next five years are. Mm-hmm. You know. But at the same time, if I don't do that, I wouldn't necessarily consider myself a failure either. Yeah. It's just, I mean, if I'm, if, if for some reason ever the world came crashing down and I no longer was taking photos and stuff, like, sure, that would be a failure, I would, mm-hmm. I would say. But if it's just like I set a goal and I didn't hit the goal, I'll just keep working towards it. It reminds me of a quote I just posted on my Instagram. It's a Winston Churchill quote that says, success is not final and failure is not fatal. I love that because, like you said, success is a stepping stone for you, right? I mean, it's mm-hmm. a, it's a, it's that next step you're going to take is that next piece of the success right. puzzle. And yeah. if you have a goal like, oh, like that's success and that's all I want to do, then like, what is there to live for beyond that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, there's once no, you achieve it, yeah, what once do you, you got? achieve yeah. your goal, if you don't have another goal set, yeah. like, there's no point really. I don't want to get too much on a tangent, but this is my follow up question to that though is. Do you feel like you're always going to be living in a state of trying to find more if you always are feel like you're not, you haven't reached your point yet? I mean, like there can be this state of uneasiness that you haven't achieved your ultimate purpose in life. If every single time you hit that next step, you, you set a new one. But like, who knows what their purpose in life is? You know, I mean, I feel like someone's purpose a lot of times is defined in their legacy. Like, I mean, I think there's people throughout history that were like, that are known for one big achievement, but like as kids, they didn't, that they didn't be like, Oh, like I'm going to grow up and, and be the first person to fly. Mm-hmm. You know, I think like they had like the Wright brothers had their goal in adulthood once they lived a little and they understood what they wanted to do. And then like, that is our goal we're going to work towards that. And I think that like, sure they hit it. I don't don't know what they did after that, but (laughs) you know, but that was kind of their, you know, crowning achievement was Mm -hmm. doing that. But I don't think they were like, Oh, like my life goal from birth, birth or whatever (laughs) isn't like, Oh, I'm going to learn how to fly and, and do that. I think like a lot of times, you know, you're, lifetime you know goal or achievement or whatever is kind of in retrospect does that make sense yeah yeah should we end it here i mean it seems as good a place as ever 
<laughs> All right. Well, I want to thank Jeff Carpenter for coming on the show today. Jeff Carpenter uh, is at Ready Light Media. Can you kind of give us their little where they can find you? Yeah. Um, I mean, I would probably just go to Instagram. That's probably my most like current. Uh, I keep up with it the most. Uh, it's just at Ready Light Media. It's R E A D Y L I G H T M E D I A. Spelled that right, right? Yeah. I'm looking at your hat, <laughs> so I think that's right. <laughs> All right. So thanks, Jeff. I appreciate it. Thank you. All right. That was my conversation with Jeff. I hope that you enjoyed it. Let me just tell you some of the takeaways I have. If you are an artist, so many times artists forget that they that they are running a business, that they themselves are the business. They want to spend so much time creating art, which is great, and I encourage you to do that. But don't forget that if you're wanting to monetize it, you have to treat yourself as a business. And that's what Jeff did. When Jeff decided to go into photography, he himself was the business and he set up his company to start making money right away. And the other part was, don't be afraid to ask for money. If you are making art, creating art and selling art, if you don't wanna sell it, that's perfectly fine. Give it away. Let the world enjoy your art, but don't be afraid to ask for money. You cannot do everything for free or we're gonna devalue the art that you are creating. On next week's episode, I have a sit down with my friend Sarah, who is the Ask a Concierge in Los Angeles, California. She is one of the most well-known concierges in Los Angeles. I'm so excited to have a conversation with her. That'll be next week. I'll see you then.